Mornings are better with a warm beverage, even for Latter-day Saints. Meet Postum, the ideal coffee alternative and proud sponsor of This Week in Mormons podcast. Spotted on the coffee aisle at Smith's Grocery or at your local nearby store. Can't locate it? No worries. Order it at postum.com. Explore delicious recipes to tailor your Postum experience. Start your day off right with Postum. to This Week in Mormons, the Taffy Edition, which is Tiffany and Friends for You. I am your host, Tiffany Hales, and I am here today with one of my friends, one of my longtime friends, a longtime listener of TWIM and participant in TWIM and uh, uh, our grand poobah at TWIM, Kurt <laughs> Frankham. Thank you, That's Kurt. right, Tiffany. I'm here. You dragged me out here. I'm going to be on the podcast. And uh, yeah, many people may not know that I'm I'm the uh, the mafia boss behind the scenes that uh, owns and uh, encourages TWIM as much as I can. Uh, took it over from Jeff Openshaw a few years ago, and I'm excited to to be here and, and share. And I just, it's just so cool to see, you know, I'm sort of a behind the scenes player and to see all of these great co-hosts each week step up and give a, continue the, the tradition of TWIM. It's, uh, it's really cool. So I'm glad to take part in that. It is. And, and I really like the direction it, it took. It seemed like it took us a few months to kind of find our footing after after the transition. But I really like the direction now. And I really like all of the different voices that we have on TWIM. And I've loved being able to pull in all sorts of different people on Tiffany and Friends for You. Yeah. Uh, just all cool. sorts of different fun voices. It's been great. But. I should mention that uh, it's been cool. You know, Matt and Melissa have started doing some interviews. And even as they've started doing interviews, it sort of uh, piqued the bug in me. I'm like, oh, I could do some, some interviews as well. You know, I that's primarily what I do on the Leading Saints podcast is interview people. And and uh, so I may jump in the interview world as well. But um, but they're going at it hard. They already have two or three interviews sort of recorded. So uh, the TWIM audience should expect to see those. So, again, it's just sort of taking it to that next level, you know, to see TWIM grow. And uh, I'm excited. I love it. Plus, the other thing, too, is uh, we've got one of our listeners that I had on, uh, John. I had John uh, uh, Bernheisel on in December and as one of my hosts on uh, Tiffany and Friends for You. And he has kind of taken some reins on our social media, which has been so nice as well. So yeah. I really Zoom, would right? like to yeah, give a shout out to John for, um, you know, engaging a lot on Facebook. He puts some fun stories up there. He asks some good questions and that's kind of been an area that's a little been, la been lagging a little. So that's been very nice, but I, I have to tell you, Kurt, I'm, I'm beefing with you. I am beefing yeah. with you today. You want to know why I'm beefing <laughs> with you? Uh Oh, why? You cheated on me with Richie Stedman and you went on the cultural <laughs> podcast before you came on to talk to me. And oh, I was man. like, I cannot believe he cheated on me. Oh, so yeah, I, I'm, kind of with I'm you in today. trouble. <laughs> I'm in the doghouse. Here we are. And, and, so I, and I guarantee you, Richie, who's such a, a pure soul, he listens to every episode of This Week in Mormons. And, uh, he is he is probably smiling with glee right now, like oh, <laughs> maybe an, an evil laugh. So I apologize for my infidelity. <laughs> I'm sure he is. I, I occasionally like to poke the Richie bear. It's kind of fun. That's right. Maybe maybe That's Richie right. will invite me on sometime to be on his podcast. But, Ooh. And, and let's and, just poke him right now by reminding him what, that we're the longest um, – what is what is it? The longest news uh, – Mormon news uh, podcast uh, running. Exactly. So he loves it. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I, I should say it's it's not for trying. We couldn't we wanted to do this about a month ago and just between your schedule and mine, we couldn't yeah. make the planets align. So we're busy people, Tiffany. Go. Busy people. All right. Well, I should tell the listeners why I mean, I'm having you on the podcast for many reasons today, but the main reason I wanted to have you on, Tiffany and Friends for You, is you have a book that you wrote, and your book is called, Is God Disappointed in Me? And so I want you- I got a oh, copy you right are. here. You're Get holding it, on the it camera. up. Exactly. <laughs> uh, this is exciting. Have you? Is this yeah. the first book you've ever released? 
You know, I wrote uh, just a quick book uh, when they started ministering and they went from home teaching to ministering, obviously, uh-huh. through Leading Saints. This, these are topics we talked about. So I wrote a short book that I just posted to Amazon. It wasn't really professionally edited or, uh, you know, I, I didn't use professionals to design the cover or anything. But uh, yeah, this is definitely probably the most serious book that, you know, that's actually showing up in places like uh, Costco and I'm sure Desert Book is... Um, they just, they just can't get a hold of me yet, but no, I do, I do expect it to, to show up there. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it's really, man, it's, it's already, you know, landing on top of lists on, you know, on Amazon and things like that. So, uh, and it's cool that I'll have something in Costco and, and, and just so you know, if you buy one at Costco, they'll let you buy a hot dog for a dollar fifty. So that's just what I've heard. So really? you should go there and buy it. Yeah. So is it at Costco yet or yeah, will it probably be your Costco, Costco there? No, it's it's there. If you go to your Costco in Treasure Valley somewhere there, it'll it'll be okay. there. Well, I will yeah. have to check that out. I usually don't check out the book section. I have been wanting to find it and buy it. Again, I've just kind of been so busy um, just because I love the message and I love the topic that it talks about because my husband and I talk about this a lot. So mm-hmm. why don't you tell our listeners uh, maybe some background as to why you wrote this book and how it evolved and came about and tell them what it's what it's about a little bit. Sure. So I did a, a few episodes around these topics on leading saints. And um, these this is years ago, about four, five years ago. And I noticed just how well they were performing within the analytics, uh, you know, just talking about this go- concept of godly disappointment or, or grace. And uh, then I started getting asked to do like firesides around this topic. So I did some firesides. I thought, okay, maybe there's a book here that I need to consider. And uh, so I started typing away. And four years later, I finally had went through all the editing process and, and design process and uh, had a book there. And my, my main hope for this book is um, obviously it's, it's for any Latter-day Saint. It's a, I wanted to, to attempt to articulate how I saw grace um, as it functions in the context of the church. And there's just so, you know, you, you probably see this a lot, Tiffany, as well as just this feeling of people are in, in the gospel, you know, they're raising families, mm-hmm. they're doing the things, but they land in this place of exhaustion. Right. They're just like, oh, I don't know if I can do another Sunday or do another girls camp or do another activity or what, you know, and suddenly the gospel in their mind has become this exhausting experience that uh, that's not what the gospels should do or is meant to do. It should be, uh, you know, in um, energizing us, encouraging us, be redemptive to our, our life experience. And so uh, if anybody's out there who's discouraged or has a, a loved one who's just discouraged in the gospel and this would be a great book to pick up and maybe we can shift the the framing you have in your mind of, of how you see God. And, you know, cause sometimes we frame God in a way that he's just this frustrated disappointment in heaven that just, you know, shakes his head every time we, we mess up. But then we go to church and they, they offer us the sacrament every week, not, not with disappointment or shame or they, they, you know, that little deacon holds it out mm-hmm. and says, take it every week. And so um, this is a redemptive gospel, and I hope everybody can experience that because uh, it's such a blessing in my life and encourages me on so many levels, and, and I want that for everybody. I I love that, and and I think for a long time, I mean, I I know I'm a few years older than you, but you know that's yeah, okay. Just, just means I'm a little more seasoned. <laughs> you know, my husband and I were talking. I'm like, well, I'm a child of the '70s, a teenager of the '80s, and being a child of the '70s and a teenager of the '80s, there was very much a shame focus. I mean, yeah. that is that was very much my gospel religious development growing up is it was very kind of shame-based and same with my husband. And so to kind of break that thinking pattern and break that pattern in, you know, how we raise our kids, how we interact with other um, members in our ward that we've, you, we've had to be very intentional and very, um, uh, you know, cautious, I don't want to say cautious, but just very intentional about doing things differently. Have you noticed that? You're probably caught in that generation that's maybe just a little end, tail end of the shame generation. Yeah, for sure. And and I'm sure there's some teenagers today who would say, you know, whether they have the words to articulate it, that they feel that shame. And because the reality is, is that shame is extremely effective in getting things done, motivating people, but it's um, we we misclassify it as a as a tool that that God is using, and absolutely he he never uses 
shame. This is it's a tool of the adversary, one hundred percent. And God is a God of love, a grace, and hope. And those those components are a hundred times, a million times more effective than shame will ever be. So, how do you think in our interactions with um, our fellow saints, whether it's somebody that we're ministering to, or whether it's somebody that we have? You know, for example, I'm in a, a Relief Society presidency right now, somebody that we have some some leadership or some stewardship over that we can kind of change that narrative and, and change how we interact. So, yeah, we, we go we default to a place of behavior focus and we do it in the most well-intentioned places where, you know, I can remember sitting in so many state conferences where. Yeah, the gospels preached, and yeah, that we talk about Jesus. But then there's sort of this under, under uh, cover message of, you know, well, you know, we could all just be doing a little bit better, don't you think? And then people leave feeling like, oh, I got to do better. Like I'm not, I, I'm at the end of my rope here. You know, I, I, I can't give anymore. Like I don't know what to do. And so yeah. then that's when the overwhelm comes in. And so if someone is leading a, a relief society, or you know as a Relief Society presidency, they have this focus on ministering interviews, right? Just like the Elder Scorn presidency. And so it's so easy to sort of sit down with these women and, and, and lead out with, well, how are your ministering sisters doing? Are you visiting them or calling them? I mean, what, how, what are you doing to minister to them? But instead mm-hmm. to just build a relationship of like, how are you? Like, where, where do you find overwhelm in your life? How's, how's Relief Society yeah. class going? Do you feel like it's, it's, uh, a place of, of encouragement? Like what, what suggestions do you have? I mean, we can get to the ministering families at some point, but, but start with heart first. Yeah. I absolutely love that idea because I have to tell you the least favorite part of my calling that I have right now is ministering interviews. I absolutely mm. detest having to do ministering interviews yeah. because I'm just like, you know, again, it goes back to, well, you know, have you done your ministering? What do you know about your sisters? And I don't want to put anybody in that uncomfortable position. I really like what you said about, you know, let's sit down and let's talk about what's going on with you, Sarah, and and how are things working for Sarah? And what's going good in Sarah's life? What's overwhelming in Sarah's life? How can Relief Society help and support you? I, I love that yeah. idea. Yeah, exactly. Because if you did that, it all, you know, the entire Relief Society presidency did that. By the time you get through your ministering ed- interviews, everybody's been ministered to exactly. in, in a Relief Society. Right now, of course, in an ideal world, we hope people are visiting, taking casseroles yeah. and, and breads to each other and whatever it be. But um, yeah, like start with the heart and focus on ministering before you, you're demanding behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. So, all right. Well, before we move into some news stories... Anything yep. else about your book you want to tell us? No, I encourage people to check it out. And uh, and the best price is at Costco. And we're on in Costco all through Idaho, Utah, Arizona, I think a few places in California. But um, so check there. And but obviously it's on Amazon. And and uh, yeah, check it out. All right. Well, I am excited to know that it is a Costco. I was just at Costco this week. Had a, twice I was at Costco this week. Had oh, I known, nice. I'd have cruised through the book section. So yep. I may have to make that a priority today. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about some news stories, Kurt. So yeah, let's do it. I guess we didn't talk about who was going to do what. Usually, I do that, but I'll just take um, I'll just take the first one which is Roots Tech. It is happening right now. Um, first of all, before I delve into Roots Tech, have you ever been to Roots Tech? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because in this, I'll, I'll play the on-site correspondent in this role because I actually went to Roots Tech on Thursday. Really? Oh my gosh. I, I had no idea. I've been okay, several so years before. Yeah. I figured you might have been. I have never been to Roots Tech. So tell me what happened on Thursday. Tell me what you like about Roots Tech. Let's do a big Roots Tech plot. Sure. Well, yeah, I was actually going to get a table. Um, you know, they have a, a vendor area. I was going to get a table uh-huh. for Leading Saints, but uh, then I realized I was traveling. I'm in Sacramento, California right now. So I was traveling. I thought, oh, I'd only be able to hit, you know, day one. So I, I didn't do that, but I thought at least I'll show up. And, um, you know, it's the energy there is awesome, especially I'm not, I get a bad time about this. I'm not a big family history person. I know Tiffany, you're probably will give me a bad time for this. I just, it's just not my my thing. And I know I should do it more. I mean, talking about shame. I mean, there, there's a, there's a, there's an organization in our church that has a long history of shaming, but uh, anyways. Uh, well, but, I'm going to say something on that, Kurt. You're all right. Let's family, hear it. 
you're not a family history person yet. Okay. That's right. So that's right. No, there is no shame. It's just a yet because it's only been in the last few years that I've gotten into family history. And part of that has been, I've had the time because my kids have gotten older because I know you have very young children right now. Yeah. And when you have those very young children, I mean, your time demands, your number one priority is the kids, you know, and your wife and your other responsibilities. So say, I want you to add yet on the end of that. I am yet. not a family okay. first day person yet. And then it That's removes sage the advice. Okay. Perfect. Love it. Um, but yeah, so, but there's some fantastic energy there. You could call it the, the energy of the spirit of Elijah, if you'd like. And, uh, I, you know, that even if, um, if individuals don't have time, if they're in the Salt Lake area, if they don't have time to like spend a day there, you can stop in and you actually can go to like the vendor area for free. There's so much free stuff to walk around and see. Um, but then they have, you know, these, uh, breakout, the, uh, classes, they've got, uh, you know, the main stage with some, that's where they bring the famous people out. And it's just, <coughs> excuse me, it's such a, just a high energy, phenomenal thing. It's awesome to see that the church can sort of rally the, the world around, uh, family history and be sort of that, um, that ground zero to, to gather people and offer them. Uh, resources. And so it's, it's cool to, to visit. I love that. Well, a couple of notable things have come out of Roots Tech. In fact, Let's hear it. one of these notable things came out on Thursday when you were there. So, and <laughs> if you are not a family history person yet, this might not be something that you were aware of, but having done a fair amount of, um, Family history. And when I say I do family history, like I haven't really like searched up names. I have no clue how to like search up a name and get a temple name ready. That's, yeah. that is not what I generally do when I'm on my family tree. What I have done a lot of on my family tree is I add family photographs. I add family documents. Yeah. I add letters. I add all sorts of things to the memory section. That is where I kind of find my joy in doing, um, stuff on family history. So obviously on family search, you have your tree, which has all of your dead relatives on it. But then there is a little box that is for you who is alive. And I don't know if you knew this, you can add your own stuff to your own page. So I kind of really like this because I'm like, oh, I can pick and choose what goes on my page. I don't have to leave it up to my children to put stuff up there that I may or may not approve of. So, uh, and then I, and then currently nobody can see your page until you die. And then when you die, your, your page becomes, becomes public. Hmm. Um, but one of the frustrations that I've had is, for example, I have an aunt and she is an aunt by marriage. And so she was married to my uncle, who is my dad's brother. She lived through the 1964 earthquake up in Alaska. And so her brother was in town back in October. And so I went and spent about an hour with them. And I recorded their memories of what it was like when this earthquake hit in Alaska, because they were both in two different places. She was home alone by herself. And her brother was in downtown Anchorage with his mom. Uh, their mom and uh, kind of near where their dad's office was. So they have both had very different memories. So I have this one hour audio recording. Both of these people are still alive. I can't put it on their page because they're still alive. And so I'm like, well, I guess I just hang on to it till one of them dies. Well, with this new feature with Roots Tech, they are allowing you to kind of create these groups. Um, For example, I could be an administrator and I could invite my aunt and I could invite her brother into our little group. And then I would be able to share uh, the audio recording to both of their pages Mm. and tag them in it. And so I really like that, that they're creating these groups and you're only allowed in the group by whoever the administrator is, but then you could tag living people. uh, And so then, for example... Uh, when my aunt dies, uh, then everybody, all of her kids, this will automatically be on her page and all of her kids can then access it. So it's a really cool cool new feature. Uh, It's going to have a full rollout by summer 2024. Uh, Right now it's kind of in an experimental phase. So they're telling people who use it, look, it's, it's, it's a little tweaky and quirky and we're working through some of the bugs, but go test it out and give us feedback. So that is a, that is a really exciting thing that is happening. 
And then there's lots of other fun activities, just like what you said, the energy at Roots Tech. Um, they have uh, local MCs all throughout the world uh, because they not only do this in person in Salt Lake, but they also do it online. And so it's available yeah. online. They have all sorts of speakers for members of the Quorum of the Twelve. What I thought was really cool is today they are having Christian Chenoweth, the award-winning actress and singer, That's performing right. on their main stage. And you may recall a few years ago, she performed with the Mormon Tabernacle. I, yeah. Pardon me. I, I went to that concert. It was awesome. Oh, I am so jealous. I really wanted to go to that concert. I love Christian Chenoweth. You know, she's probably best yeah, she's known awesome. for paying playing Glinda in the original Glinda in Wicked, but she's just been such a fan of the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square and the things that our religion does. And so they were able to tag her. And I think that that is awesome. They also have some stuff going on about AI and how artificial intelligence is going to kind of oh, yeah. uh, change how we do family history. And I think that that will be really interesting to watch. Um, and then this is very interesting, too. For the second year in a row, Roots Tech is hosting an after party for young adults 18 to 30 at the Salt Palace Convention Center. So this kind of goes along with the church's real focus on that demographic of 18 to 30. You know how they did that big um, kind of concerty thing this summer? I'm trying to remember what they called it. You went to it. Um, yeah, where they the- had... Just a YSA conference of, yeah, I forget what they call it. Yeah, a large YSA conference. And then, of course, they've done these dating forums recently. I think they're just really trying to get the kids out there and engaged in a personal one-on-one setting, not just a device setting with each other. So I thought that was cool. And finally, um, well, I shouldn't say finally because there's two more things that I think are really cool about Roots Tech. Uh, President M. Russell Ballard did a video. Uh, this was, we know he died in November. Last June, he did a video and he went to several church history sites in Nauvoo and Carthage, Illinois and Kirtland, Ohio, because as we know, he is a descendant of Hiram Smith. And he talked about and filmed his own family story. Nobody, we did not know he did this. And so post posthumously, they have wow, released cool. this video of him. Uh, for Roots Tech. And that's what it was designed for. It was for Roots Tech. So this is kind of his last parting gift to us as saints. And then just all sorts of other fun, fun stuff. There's a a sister by the name of Cy Foster, and she and her husband were recently called to be mission presidents. But she has a blog, a cooking blog, as well as a book called The Bountiful Kitchen. And she's very, very popular. And uh, she's talking about how to preserve your family food story. So just lots of all sorts of really fun things associated with Ruth's Tech. I'm going to have to, one of these years, get myself down to Utah for Roots Tech and experience this for myself because I think it would be so fun. So maybe next year, we'll we'll see what happens. I've I've got some trials. They usually do it in February. I've got some nasty trials scheduled for February and March of next year. So I'll have to see. Maybe if I get my trials resolved, I I can mosey on down to Utah. Absolutely. Any excuse to come down here with the... To Zion, as they say. I know everybody's, exactly. everybody's groaning. Uh, how about, uh, you know, we got Easter coming up. It's the 31st, the end of the month, uh, Easter Sunday. And as we other uh, hosts have talked about, the church is just going to one-hour church, right? I think, is this is this the second year we've done that? Maybe yes, it's the this first. Is- this is the, I believe this is the second year we've done it. So they okay. did it last year. They said, we're just going to do one-hour church. They didn't do a yep. lot of guidance last year, which resulted in, you may recall, Ariane and I have talked about this, her ward did a missionary farewell on Easter Sunday and, oh, no. had, <laughs> and had the song Praise to the Man on the agenda for uh, uh. for Easter Sunday. Keith happened to, her husband, Keith happened to see it the day before and called him out and they were like, oh yeah, well, I guess we can, we can change the song, but they still had a missionary farewell. So this is an example of where I think shame is appropriate. When you are so tone deaf 
<laughs> that you think a missionary uh, farewell and praise to the man is an appropriate program for Easter Sunday, I'm going to call you out and I'm going to shame you on the podcast. That, <laughs> that I think, is an excellent example of shame because you're uh, just being tone deaf. Anyway, so on it. that note... Yeah, on that note, the first parenthesy is helping us out a little bit. Maybe hoping that uh, we'll delay uh, or postpone the mission farewells, uh, which aren't a thing, typically. Yes. uh, Technically. Um, So the first parenthesy sent out a message saying, In the spirit of this sacred season, we invite everyone to reflect on the infinite atonement of Jesus Christ, including his anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane, his suffering on the cross, and his glorious resurrection wrote the first presidency. Uh, so this was sent out on the 29th of February um, in regards to, in the context of Easter observance. So a good, strong, focused uh, message there. And I would say uh, you could probably copy and paste this uh, this message, that in- invitation on every sacrament meeting for the rest of the year uh, is, yeah, just focus on Christ, his anguish exactly. in the Garden of Gethsemane, his suffering on the cross and his glorious resurrection. And you will have, a bombshell sacrament meeting every week. So good good, uh, direction from the First Presidency. Well, and I love the Easter hymns. So I'm hoping maybe we sing some Easter hymns on Easter. Yes, let's do it. (laughs) So speaking of hymns, you have the next story, the church music uh, update. Okay, yes. So the church uh, music website received major updates. Um, basically let's see here. This is, I believe in all the, uh, well, they, there's a, you know, part of the music library, uh, music webpage. What is that? The church of Jesus Christ.org slash media slash music, where you'll find all sorts of musical features. It says new features in this sacred music app and music website. So it's also an app as well, allows you to view and print sheet music and to change key and tempo. Sort, search, Ooh. and filter options have also been improved to help you find exactly what you are looking for. So uh, some of the features include uh, matching layout of music collection on the app and website, search and filter functions, improved music listening interface, and on and on. So I think this is just one of the many um, the many things the church needs to stay on top of as an international church because it says the website is currently available in 66 languages and the app is offered in 48 languages. And so to have sacred hymns, to run an international church uh, where the maybe the music ability is all over the spectrum, um, to have some of this functionality to uh, maybe simplify it or maybe make it more complex for those that, that can do that. Uh, pretty, pretty cool. Do, do you, are you a music person, Tiffany? I am not. It is it is sticks and dots to me when I look <laughs> at the hands. I thoroughly enjoy the hands. I love listening to music. I love singing, although my family says that I should just hum because I am in no way, shape, or form capable of carrying a tune. But I do appreciate the music. And, and speaking of varying music abilities, I'm just going to share this story real quick. We have an older sister from our ward right now who just uh, recently left. She is serving in the Philippines and her mission in the Philippines is she is teaching the saints over there to play the piano. And so Salt Lake has sent a bunch of keyboards over there and she is spending the next 18 months uh, teaching uh, these people in the Philippines, how to play the piano uh, so that again, they can have that, that music associated with their worship. And I just think, that is so awesome, and what a fun way to spend your mission. Yeah, well, that so needed, and even I mean, we could probably do the, organize something similar in, uh, you know, in the United States, where I remember, you know, serving as bishop, and just the, the you know, we had uh, this incredible lady, and her name is Joyce, and she was she's she's still in that ward, still playing the organ, but the the skill set of organ playing is even diminishing yeah. here in the United States and it's almost like we need some campaign to uh teach uh you know teach the rising generation not only the piano but the organ uh, exactly. especially if we have a if we're going to stay in this tradition of uh you know uh, new hymn books with with organ music uh but yeah it's exactly. a dying art so that's cool that something like that is happening yeah, no, I, I think it's I think it's really cool. We, I get her um, mission emails every week uh, because they go to everybody in our ward, and she is just having all sorts of crazy experiences over there in the Philippines, as you can mm. imagine. So, yeah. 
All right. So our next story, this is from the Deseret News, and this is the first in a series of exploring stories of people who came back to faith, to their faith. And so the title of it is Making, Make Keeping Covenants Cool Again. And, um, it's called Inside Increasing Numbers of Reconversion Stories Being Shared Online. And so I thought this was really a fascinating, uh, not only article, but series that the Deseret News is taking on because so often we hear of people who leave the church and they leave the church for a whole variety of different reasons. But we never hear too much about people coming back. And so in our mind, we kind of get this mindset of, well, once you've left, you've left, you're gone, you're done, you know, there's no hope for you, etc. And that's not necessarily what this what this article is focusing on. So the two women that this article focuses on is first is a lady by the name of Ashley Stone. And um, she was a heroin addict for a long time. Now she was, I believe she was, she was raised LDS and then got into heroin. So she was a drug addict and she really needed it to function. She'd been through rehab 15 times. And at the end of her 15th rehab, she received a message from a friend that said, Ashley, if you read the Book of Mormon every single day, I promise you, you will never go back to your old life. And she says she could not even imagine a life where she could live sober. It was so far from her realm of possibility, but she figured I have nothing to lose. So she started reading the Book of Mormon and she has now been sober for 11 years and she has not missed a day reading the Book of Mormon. She's married. She has two young children and she runs a podcast with a woman by the name of Lauren Rose, who has a similar thing. She was a drug addict as well. And the, and she has subsequently come back to the church and heard the podcast is entitled Come Back Podcast. And it's share stories of people coming back to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And although it's only, um, isn't even two years old, it has 1.2 million downloads across podcast platforms and thousands of subscribers on YouTube. Now, not all of the stories focus on people who have overcome drug addictions. There's lots of focuses on stories of people who have lost their faith, um, where they are graveling with, you know, some of the critical narratives about church history or things like that, um, that we see people work through. But what I thought was so interesting in here, and again, this just so ties into your book, Kurt, is when Ashley and Lauren were talking about their stories, they were talking about their relationship with God. And um, Lauren said, once I found out there was a God, everything changed and there was a light inside of me. People would come and say, your face is so bright. And she said, I saw myself as a daughter of God and I had more confidence. And that is something Thing no one can take away from me. And I think that so ties in with your book, because if you feel shame, you have a really hard time seeing yourself as a daughter of God, because you're like, God can't love somebody who's so awful and horrible and all of the things I've ever done. Uh, and so I really like how that kind of how that kind of tied in, that they really understood in order to come back, you have to have a relationship with God and you have to see yourself as a daughter or a son of God and and feel that connection. And so I just I thought it was a great article. There was also a bunch of statistics in here uh, from a Brigham Young University professor who said, you know, despite what we think, there are increasingly more people who come back. And uh, he said, starting in 2016, he, he did a study of 1,600 families uh, in Utah, Arizona, and California starting in, 200 in 2016. 61% of those identified as Latter-day Saints of those teenagers who reported, uh, of those teenagers who reported being religious at first, 10% stepped away two years later of that group, 19% came back within another two years. And this was hmm. just a shorter term study and doesn't account for people who come back, you know, after a longer period of time. But I yeah. just, I liked the article because it gave a lot of hope uh, to me for, you know, people that I have had that, you know, are on a different path right now that I still love and will always love them no matter what path they're on. Um, right. but would just like to see different things for them in their life if, if they choose to have that different thing in their life. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch this series and see what else comes of it from the Deseret News. 
Yeah, I, and I can't say enough about the podcast that Ashley Stone has going on. That's what someone maybe we need to uh, bring into This Week in Mormons and, and interview that she's doing some great work as far as just recording those stories. And uh, yeah, and I think you're you're right. You're not, and I, I'll be the first one to admit, I mean, we're in a really difficult time right now where individuals are leaving and sometimes you listen to their stories and you're thinking, wow. I mean, I don't know how long I could stick around with, with that story. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we do hear about negative culture in the church and these things. Obviously, there's a lot we can do. But I think in, you know, God plays the long game. Right. And uh, I think over time, we're going to see a lot of these people uh, come back to the church and hopefully we can receive them with open arms. That hopefully there isn't history of, of shaming them as they left or anything like that, that they can feel like, you know, you, you can sit in these pews with us on Sundays and uh, we're welcome to have you anytime you. You're you're ready. We'll be here. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. No, I I like that. So, do you want me to do the next one about Andy? Yeah, Reed? why don't? Yeah, I didn't get to chance to read this article, but I love any story involving Andy Reid. Okay, well, as everybody knows, or if you don't know, then you are living under a rock. Andy Reid is the coach for the Super Bowl winning team, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And during the Super Bowl, Travis Kelsey, he was he was not in the game. He was sitting on the sidelines and he was not happy about sitting on the sidelines. And someone had fumbled the ball or done something stupid. And he literally went up and got in Coach Reed's face and started yelling at him and pushed Coach Reed. And Coach Reed kind of lost his balance and he regained his balance. And, and there were all sorts of memes going around. And Travis Kelsey got a lot of pushback as a result of this as well he should have his behavior was not good and and he even admitted it he apologized to coach reed in, in his podcast and he said yeah i lost my temper shouldn't have, shouldn't have gone there that was all on me but what was so fascinating as you watch coach reed he was stoic this entire time so here he has Travis Kelsey yelling in his ear, pushing him around, and he just maintains this level of calm. Like he doesn't engage with Travis. He doesn't uh, react in kind with Travis. At one point in time, he puts his he puts his hand on Travis's arm, you know, as to calm him down. And so that's what this whole article is about, is it's a Super Bowl lesson in peace. And it talks about Coach Reed and... Um, and his reaction to Travis Kelsey just kind of speaks volumes about him and his personality. And and they likened it unto Lavelle Edwards. Lavelle Edwards was his mentor. And as you know, if you watched BYU football in the 70s and 80s, Lavelle Edwards, cool as a cucumber, you know, yep. never, mm-hmm. no, no, nothing ever ruffled his feathers. And uh, even, even after the game, when Coach Reed is being asked about it, Coach Reed is just like, yeah, he was upset. He's kind of a hothead. I understand that about him. I, I didn't let his being a hothead bother me. I got other things to focus on. And I just thought, what a wonderful example in this kind of, I, sometimes I think we live in a very toxic confrontational culture that, you know, if you confront me, I'm going to throw it back at you just in the same manner. Uh, and, and it was kind of funny because there were a lot of people who were somewhat incensed for Coach Reed. And Coach Reed was like, I don't know why you were so incensed for me. I was totally fine with it. And, and I just thought, what a wonderful example of just being a peacemaker and emulating what President Nelson has taught us of, you know, just because someone, you know, raises their voice or is angry, we don't have to respond in kind. We can choose our behavior. We can choose to be offended. We can choose to remain cool and go, you know what? This isn't about me. This is about you. So you go figure out you yeah. and then come back and have a conversation with me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think my, one of my favorite things, obviously there's great principles and, and uh, examples that, that came out of this, but my favorite thing to come out of that altercation, it, it has been memefied uh, oh, to yeah. the full extent. You know, there's so many memes of, uh, of, of the screaming, you know, Kelsey in, in Coach Reed's face. And uh, so, uh, but really cool to see Andy Reed just, I mean, just a remarkable, mar- remarkable person for sure. So uh, how about, um, we, we need a good giving machines update now that uh, yes. that's a few months past, right? So uh, this is published in the church news and it says $10.4 million 
was donated at uh, giving machines during the 2023 Christmas season with the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints covering all operating costs. Um, so it says approximately 600,000 people visited giving machines in 2023. Two million meals were donated, 660,000 vaccinations, 125,000 chickens, 8,500 hygiene kits, 12 over 12,000 beds, mattresses, sheets, and blankets, 11,000 backpacks and school supplies, 7,700 newborn care supplies, 2,000 school uniforms, 1,800 community wells, 1,100 job trainings or certifications. Um, so just like so awesome. And I know like as we've talked about on This Week in Mormons, there's all sorts of concerns with church and finances and should they be more transparent or whatever. I don't know if anybody out there has had the opportunity. If you have it, you should make the opportunity the next time you're in, in Salt Lake to do a tour of the Bishop's storehouse. And oh. it is such a testament to what we do as a church. And in my opinion, there's no hyperbole here. If you want to give to the poor, if you want to feed the hungry, if you want to clothe the naked, there is no better organization to give to than the church. And uh, through those fast offering funds, whatever it be, every dollar, they cover all operating costs. And so I think there's so much negative says about the church and the, the money things, but you, there, there's few organizations who can stand up to the good that we're doing through these welfare efforts. And the giving machines is just another example of that. So uh, yeah, really inspiring stuff. I, I agree. And, and they more than doubled the number of giving machines this year. You know, they had 28 locations last year. They had, or the year before in 2022, they had 61 in 2023. I'm really curious for 2024, how many locations they're going to get for those giving machines and if we yep. will keep on giving. But it's 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 fun to see people's excitement about that. I love these articles that tell us, you know, the number of things that were purchased because those items are absolutely life changing. And I know Ariane and I did a story about some chickens in Africa and in the period of three years, how chickens in Africa that were given to some women radically changed a community just through a couple hundred chickens. So yeah. uh, it's, it's, it, it's like the rock that you, you know, throw in the water and you see the, the ripples go out. It gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. It's inspiring. It is. It's very inspiring. Okay. New member tools attendance feature helps teachers minister in a more personal way. <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm kind of scratching my head at this. Basically, <laughs> Me too. What Me too, the, Tiffany. Basically, what the church is doing is the church is saying, okay, Sunday school teacher for the for the 16, 17, and 18-year-olds, you can now take your own class attendance. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> We're on we're on the cutting edge of technology and advancement here, Tiffany. This is awesome. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, I, I, I don't I'm not... I don't know. Like for years, you know that the role gets passed around, like in in Sunday school, and you know you like put the check mark in the box yeah. next, to, you know, on the dateline. And I'm like, I don't. I think I remember as my time, you know, wor working in bishoprics. I think in the system there's a place to enter this, but like I don't know what we're doing or accomplishing. I mean, I think sacramenting attendance, which is often regularly yeah. counted, uh, is sort of a good metric, but I don't, I don't know. Do, do we do anything with this? And so it just seems like a, an advancement in, you know, in the app that was like, oh, I guess, I guess we could do this. I, was anybody clamoring for this? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what we do in my ward. I, I have not seen a Sunday school role in years. Uh, and I am in a Relief Society presidency. So uh -huh. uh, what our secretary does, and I don't know whether this is kosher or not, but this is what we do. So we're calling it good. Uh, every week in sacrament meeting, regardless of whether it is a Relief Society Sunday or a Sunday School Sunday, she opens up the app and she notes our sisters that are sitting there in sacrament meeting. And, and and has that in the app. And, and we do that for a couple of different reasons. First of all, it helps us keep a pulse because sometimes, you know, you have sisters that are in primary or young women's and you're not going to see them in Relief Society, but they should still, in our opinion, be counted as being in Relief Society. And even on a Sunday school Sunday, same thing, because it helps us keep track of, oh, hey, we didn't see so-and-so here today. Do we need to check up on her? Do we know what's going on with her? Is Does she need some extra attention? And just helps us kind of 
keep a pulse on our sisters and, and who we may need to throw some extra love to because maybe they're struggling and we want them to not feel so alone. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that, that, that's cool. Well, something's happening there. So, all right. Well, Tiffany, should we get into a, maybe a, a more spicy uh, a topic here or an article here I, that I, I recently came across? And I, know, I was and shocked. I have, not, I have not seen this one. Yeah, I was shocked that you hadn't heard of it because this is the, I mean, if there was ever a Tiffany Twim article, this would be it. So I will, I'll break it down for you and, and you can respond here. So okay. um, now this is published by the, um, the Salt Lake Tribune and love you people over Salt Lake Tribune. And I appreciate, you know, you, you, you go hard at the church sometimes and some of the people in the church, but maybe every once in a while you should like write maybe a more positive article about the Salt Lake Tribune will take you a little bit more seriously. But I'm just going to say that. I know I'm, I may be alone on this, but um, so this article is titled Extortion, BYU Pathway President's Restorative Justice Company Broke Civil Law. So Many of us were probably familiar with Brian Ashton. He was in the general Sunday school presidency um, a couple, I, maybe it was the last one, uh, the, the previous one, which this current one is almost done with their, their tenure. Um, so Brian Ashton was a counselor there. Um, and I've met Brian. He's a phen- phenomenal individual, uh, really doing some remarkable things with, with Pathway. I think uh, Pathway is, is a very disruptive educational approach that uh, will – uh, be in the history books for sure. So he is the currently he's the president of BYU Pathway, and so lo- a few years back, before he was in the Sunday School pre- General Presidency, uh, he had a company. Now he's a Harvard guy, uh, very well educated, um, and this is what sort of makes me scratch my head a little bit is that to me this seems so obvious as not a good business model, but nonetheless he did it. So here's here's the idea of this this company he created was corrective education company. They refer to it as CEC throughout the article. And this was the general business model. So Tiffany, let's say uh, you're going through a rough patch and uh, you go into Walmart and you just uh, need some, you need some, some food, some, some whatever, and you don't have the funds for it. So, well, you look both ways, you make sure that you're out of the side of the security camera and you slip something into your into your jacket and you shoplift it and uh, quickly make it towards the door. And well, ah, you're caught. The security saw you. They got you on camera. So, uh, you know, I remember working in a, in a grocery store in high school and every once in a while this, you know, this would happen. You'd see the guy sitting in the corner waiting for the, the police to arrive as the grocery manager was, uh, you know, hovering over him. Uh, oh, so I, what would I happen? Prosecuted. I prosecuted those petty thefts when I was a prosecutor. Oh, really? Petty retail oh, theft. Will, oh, yeah. Oh, you'll, you'll have such I'm a great perspective this. for this. Okay. So, so anyways, the idea is they, you know, they're at Walmart or wherever, and they take them, <coughs> they take them in the back room, right? And they're, and basically they they say this. They say, listen, uh, we we can call the police right now. This is going to be uh, on your record. You know, there may be jail time, whatever. Uh, you're going to have to deal with the legal system, or you can pay us. $400 and we will show you a, a training video about um, how to overcome shoplifting or, or crime that way. And if you pay us for, they said it was about four to $500 of, to watch this video course. And I don't know if it was, you watched it all in that setting or you're required to go through it. Then we won't call law enforcement and you can go on your way with a clean record and you'll be great. So Maybe let's let's bring in uh, attorney uh, Tiffany here. Like, what's the problem with that? <laughs> well, first of all, you you are detaining them, uh, and uh, you know you you can make a citizen's arrest, but if you make a citizen's arrest, you need to actually call the police. Otherwise, you're just detaining them, and you may not, you know, have have cause to to detain them. And I mean, it's, it's, it's almost kind of, I don't know, it feels very, it feels very blackmailish is kind of how yeah, it yeah, feels right. to me. Right. And that's where the extortion claim comes in yes. is that it's, you know, if, if you were just to take, if the manager was sort of crooked and he's like, Hey, listen, like you just pay me 500 bucks. I'll let yeah. you out of here. And nobody knows the difference. Right. Well, they sort of have cloaked it in this more, uh, this company where it's like you pay for this training program and uh, <coughs> and then and and then basically that money comes in 
the the CEC company that Brian Ashton had started and was operating gets a cut and then the store gets a cut, right? Okay. And so that's where the extortion claim comes in. And what shocks me is that, you know, they had brands like Walmart, Kroger, Bloomingdale's, I mean, that were hiring and using this program. So that's why I'm sort of, I yeah. kind of sit with it. Like maybe there's more to the story. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know either. I, and I guess, you know, what, what I would like to see in that, situation is, I mean, I guess I really don't even understand how this works because, you know, if you have detained someone there uh, because, you know, they have stolen something, chances are they're not going to have, you know, four or $500 on their person to pay you immediately and, uh, and watch the video. So how do you get the money? Do you keep them there until, you know, they phone their friend and their friend brings them the money? Or I, right. I would rather see, I think it makes a bigger impact if there, if the police are called, there's a ticket that's issued, and then you do the restorative thing as part of the court process and dismiss the ticket. To me, that seems like that is going to be a lot more above board. And because there are some of those thieves that are one-time thieves. It was my experience in prosecuting some people. I... I would see them repeatedly over and over and over again. They literally were just kleptomaniacs and they were stealing stupid stuff, one and $2 stuff, just for the thrill of stealing it. Not because they needed it, just because they got some sort of a high from taking it. And so, you know, in those people, you know, restorative justice isn't, you know, going to work at all. But yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting take it. It just doesn't, it doesn't pass. It, it doesn't pass the smell test with me. Yeah. Just yeah, just now, like right. Yeah, and and again, I'm not I'm not privy on these things, and so maybe there's another side of the story. Yeah. They did say that um, they they would run the record somehow, so this was only available for first time offenders. And they give yeah. a few examples of like you know, here's this guy that made a stupid choice in the moment. He's caught, and he's uh, he was like in basic training or in the, starting up with the military. Yeah. And he would have, if this would have gone on his record, he'd been kicked out. Yeah. And so it would have like destroyed his life. So to him, yeah. it was like, listen, I'll figure out how to get that four hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, but I think just the way it was was framed. Um, yeah. And then it says later on. See, um, I think those people are more the exception to the rule than the rule in petty theft cases based on my experience, nine year experience as a prosecutor. You know, certainly if I had somebody who came to me like that, and and I certainly had people who got caught with marijuana, you know, that were in those particular circumstances, you know, first time offender that I would say, okay, you know, we're going to, we're going to make a deal here. But at the same time, the fact that they were charged even though it was dismissed, stayed on their record. So if it happened again, you know, I could say, ah, you were charged before, but I don't know necessarily how the military or how, um, you know, different licensing, licensing agencies, like for example, if you have a drug conviction, even for simple marijuana, you're not going to get licensed. It, it, It will be more challenging to get licensed by a state bar association. Let's put it that way. Hmm. I, I won't yeah. say never, but I'll just say it's going to, it's going to be a lot harder. So I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Now at CEC, they, uh, in the article, it says that they had shown that their program, this training was extremely effective that they, I think they said something like less than 2% of the people who went through it shoplift again. And so, uh, you know, they're showing, hey, this is working. But I think just the general approach, it it does have a flavor of extortion. And so um, it says that according to Ashton, CEC shut down after it learned the legal advice it had relied on was inaccurate. So I don't know what sort of attorneys they were uh, consulting as they put this business model together, but um, probably not the best attorneys. I don't know. It just seems um, like they you really set yourself a trap there. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting story. All right. Well, let's move on to one of my favorite segments, Kurt, Mormons Behaving Badly. Yes. Uh, And I have no new Mormons Behaving Badly, but I do have a Tim Ballard update because, you know, I love a good Tim Ballard update. He's been silent (laughs) for a while. He's been laying low. So I have two updates for Tim Ballard. Um, first of all, there is a um, organization called CPAC, which is Conservative Political Action Conference, and that is in Washington, D.C. And uh, Tim Ballard showed up at that recently and uh, oh, wow. accused the 
Biden administration of uh, their policies as they relate to the U.S. border, um, basically saying the U.S. border agents have become child sex trafficking delivery service is what he said. So he, at least he's out there being on brand, kind of kind of surprised mm-hmm. he showed up. But what was really interesting is I thought, well, you know, I haven't looked on Facebook lately to see what he's got going on on Facebook. And so I did that. And just within the last uh, couple of weeks or so, he has a new video out on Facebook. And it's kind of interesting. So, you know, he's been laying low since September. He's had a number of civil cases filed against him. To date, there have been no criminal charges filed against him, but civil cases filed against him. He has this new video out. He has clearly hired a new PR team because this was a very professionally produced video uh, with him and his wife, Catherine, that basically says, um, we're going to tell you the story that you don't know, uh, sort of a Mm. thing, and kind of ties into... um, Oh, I should have written it down. I was watching it late at night last night. Um, They they had a tie-in to the title for The Sound of Freedom. It was The Sound of Something or Other. I I can't remember right now off the top of my head. That kind of bugs me. But this new, very professional, slick video kind of telling their side of the story and they, I've, I'm not going to lie. They do a good job storytelling. The video is very compelling. Still hasn't changed my mind or my perception of Tim Ballard. And then, of course, there's the, and if you want to help support us in our legal defense of all of these uh, horrible charges that have been brought against us, here's where you can go and contribute to our legal defense. So um, I think he's trying to maybe do some, some uh, um, what is the word I'm looking for, trying to... Um, rehabilitate his image, so to speak. I don't know whether that will be possible, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. I think, was it the sound of controversy? Yes, the sound of controversy. That's exactly it. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, that's what they're calling this. Interesting. Um, It is very interesting. It's about a a 30-minute video. And it seems like it's, it's sort of moving in that phase of like, this is becoming good. Like they're, they're tapping into the, not that it's going to be on Netflix, but you know, it's always interesting to hear about these things in a more uh, documentary type, you know, uh, yes. setting as you're, you're learning about crime, you're hearing both sides and you know, yeah. more power to him, I guess. I mean, if, if he is, it doesn't feel like his side of the story is getting out there, he's making a run for it. So. Yeah. Well, and I believe it was the first in a series of uh, little document micro documentaries that are going to be released. So, um, again, like I said, still has not changed my perception, but I'm like, well, he hired really good PR <laughs> yeah. people. So I'm going to give him yep. bad props for his quality of production. He's 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 checking all the uh, I'm going to try and rehabilitate my reputation boxes. So <laughs> love it. Cool. All right. Well, Kurt, as you know, whenever I finish out a show, I have to talk about my favorite things. And so I always invite my guests to share a favorite thing that they have. And then I share a favorite thing. Do you have a favorite thing you'd like to share with us today, Kurt? Well, yeah, I would not be an effective marketing author if I didn't say my favorite thing is this book I just put out is God Disappointed Me, Removing Shame from a Gospel of Grace. You should check it out at Costco or Amazon, and uh, it's available on Kindle. I read I read every word of the audio book, so if you're an audible junkie, you can go that path as well. So I know it's a little bit of a cop out, but uh, it's true. It's I'm really excited about this message getting out there, so that's my favorite things this week. I love it. My favorite thing, in fact, I'm going to show you the empty package because I consumed the whole thing. Peeps, you know, it's Easter season. And I realize peeps, like people, people either love them or hate them. You know, there's not a lot of middle ground on peeps. Right. I'm a fan, Tiffany. Oh, good. Then I'm speaking to the choir. So. Um, because I love peeps. I love marshmallow, like in any form conceivable. And so peeps are trying to expand just beyond their general marshmallow, you know, pink, blue, purple, uh, yellow bunnies and chicks. And so they have this thing. It is called a peeps delight. And it came in a package of three, $1.47 at Walmart. And they have different flavored peeps now. So this is a s'mores peep. So it was in the formation of a 
of a chick. So it was one of their little chicks. It had chocolate on the bottom of it. Of course, it was marshmallow. And then it had graham cracker crust around the marshmallow. It was oh, I'm so all in for this. Freaking <laughs> delicious. So anyway, Love it. that is that is my favorite thing for the day. So cool. anyway, now, we'll John, turn- um, our social media guy, John, he posted on Facebook, I think it was him, um, about Dr. Pepper flavored peeps. So yeah, they're going all in on this variety exactly. of flavors peeps. So well, and I may have to make Ariane try those if she hasn't, because she loves Dr. Pepper. That's her favorite thing. So mm, if she hasn't nice. tried the Dr. Pepper peeps, she and I are going to record next week. So maybe I'll make her try the Dr. Pepper peeps and see what she thinks. So. Love it. All right. Well, Kurt, it has been a delight to have you. Thank you very much for yeah. joining me today. Uh, so fun me. to do an episode with you. I don't think you and I have ever done a one-on-one episode before. So it's probably true. Let's do it again. We- Let's do it again. We've been in group episodes. So this is awesome. Listeners, as always, you can find us. If you if you have it, you can find us on all the social media platforms, X, uh, if Facebook. Uh, we've got the Twin Sisters Instagram, which we will update with the favorite things that Kurt and I shared today. And then, of course, if you have any comments, you can reach out at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. And all of those go into our inbox. And we try and do a pretty good job about at least responding to those. Matt and Melissa have their have their listener uh, mailbag, which is always kind of fun to hear. And Kurt always passes along fun stuff to us. So we appreciate any comments that you have. And thank you very much for joining us today. <laughs> <laughs>